Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I have felt a deep sense of loss over these past few weeks. It's like a cloud that is hovering over our church, our city, our nation, probably the entire world. Almost every person that I know has been affected in some way or another by this pandemic. There are students that have lost their graduation, athletes that have lost their season, businesses have closed, some never to reopen again. Families have lost income, some people have lost jobs, there's promotions that have been lost. You know, upcoming college graduates who had a job waiting for them and they were expecting to move out to an apartment on their own are now back living with mom and dad with only a vague promise of maybe when the economy gets better, then we'll give you a call. Families have lost their vacations. Some families have celebrated milestones virally, virtually. Weddings have been postponed or a dream wedding just became an online ceremony. Marriages have broken up. Relationships have ended. Illnesses are being faced. Opportunities have been lost. Some people have lost loved ones with only strangers there with their loved one holding their hand. Others have attended a funeral and they've had to watch it on their devices. Every person listening today has experienced some type of loss and what I've learned over my years of ministry is this. Most of us find ourselves unprepared for life's losses. As a culture, we do not know how to grieve well. Author Norman Wright, in his book Experiencing Grief, says this, In a culture that doesn't like to acknowledge loss or talk about the impact, it's difficult to grieve. And when you add this silence to the fact that most of us have never been taught the process and normalcy of grief, no wonder we struggle. Losses must be grieved, and they must be grieved properly. John Spivey and Shelley Hartwick wrote this, For many, grief is just a word. Someone we love has died, and we are sad, mournful. We shed tears, and then we move on. After all, this is America, the land of the busy, the land of denial, and we simply don't have time, or could it be that we just don't know how to grieve? Today I'm beginning a series which I'm calling a better kind of grief. As believers, you and I must learn how to grieve well. We must learn how to process the emotions that come with loss and grief because most of us have grown up and nobody has properly modeled or taught us how to grieve. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, said this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should grieve, we can grieve, but we grieve with hope. In this passage, the context is death, 
And when a believer passes away, we can grieve with hope. Hope that they're with Jesus. Hope that we will see them again. Hope that they're living in heaven. But I believe that this statement, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, can be applied to every single loss that we're dealing with right now. As believers in Jesus Christ, those of us who have lost a job, a vacation, a promotion, resources, a business, or a relationship, With so much disappointment, with so much loss going on right now, we've got to be able to process this well. We must grieve as people of hope. Grieve those losses, but grieve with hope. Because God is still the one who supplies all of your needs out of his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is still the one who makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. We're all hurting right now. We've all suffered loss. And we're all going to experience some level of grief. But we can grieve with hope. That is a better kind of grief. Now before I get into my content, I need you to do something with me, if you would please. You have suffered a loss. I want you to identify it right now. Right now where you're sitting, wherever it is that you're listening to me, admit your loss. Specifically, admit your loss. What's gone? Admit it. Is it a a job? Is it income? Is it a special event, a marriage, a loved one? Admit it right now. Okay. Have you done that? All right. Now here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to say something to yourself. Okay? Just in your head, unless you're alone and you must say it out loud, say, I must grieve this loss. Do that. Say it inside. I must grieve this loss. Don't think it's okay, it's all right, I'm I'm doing fine, I don't need to grieve this. No, you do. You do. Listen to what Norman Wright says. Whenever there's a loss, there will be a grief. But some do not grieve or mourn. Some make a choice to not express all the feelings inside so their grief is accumulated. And the result will be an emotional infection. Pastor Rick Warren and his wife Kay suffered incredible loss several years ago when their son committed suicide. He's been very honest about this and talked about it, but Pastor Warren said this, and I think this is an important statement that we all need to hear and understand. He said this, We don't go around grief. We don't get over grief. We go through grief. Hear that again. We don't go around grief. We don't get over grief. We go through grief. None of us want to put ourselves in an emotional position where we have an emotional infection because of sorrow and loss and grief. We need to work through. We need to process grief. And so that's what I'm hoping to accomplish in this series with the help of the Holy Spirit. What we're going to do is we're going to look at two approaches to handling loss and grief. We're going to look at society's approach, or I'll sometimes call it the conventional approach, and we're going to look at God's approach. And then after I've presented both of these, I want you to consider which one is more effective, which one is better for you, which one works. So are you ready? Here we go. Now before I I really begin into the content, I just want to say that the basic outline for this message 
uh, came from Reverend Bill Hybels. I heard him present this over 25 years ago. And what I've done is I've taken his outline and I've adapted it and expanded on it. But I just want to give credit where credit is due. So let's begin. John James and Frank Cherry in their book on re grief recovery traces the story of a boy named Johnny to illustrate the way society teaches us to handle loss. When Johnny was five years old, his dog died. His dog had been his constant companion and it slept at the foot of his bed. And now the dog is gone. And Johnny just breaks out in tears. He sobs. And this catches mom and dad off guard. I mean, they've never seen Johnny act like this before and they don't know what to do. So finally dad stammers and says, don't feel bad, Johnny. We'll get you a new dog Saturday. In that one sentence, Johnny's dad is really offering the first two steps in society's approach to grief. One, bury your feelings. Two, replace the loss. Don't feel bad, Johnny. Don't cry. Get it together. Be a man. Be brave. What these statements are saying is, bury your feelings. We'll get you a new dog on Saturday. We can replace the loss. Once you have a new dog, you'll forget all about your old dog and life will be so much better. Now, several years later, Johnny gets his bike stolen. Once again, Dad teaches grief management. Hey, shake it off, buddy. We'll get you another one soon. There it is. Shake it off, buddy. buddy. Bury your feelings. We'll get another one soon. Replace the loss. Time goes on, and when Johnny is a freshman in high school, he falls in love with a freshman girl, and he falls hard. He is on cloud nine. The world has never looked so good until she dumps him three months later. All of a sudden, Johnny is walking around in a deep funk. His heart is broken, and it's a big-time hurt. It's just not a dog or a 10-speed now. It's a person that won his heart. Mom comes to the rescue, and she says very sensitively and compassionately, don't feel bad, John. There are other fish in the sea. There it is again. Bury your feelings. Don't feel bad, John. Replace the loss. There are other fish in the sea. By now, John has got steps one and two of the grief process down, and he's going to use these his entire life life. Years pass, and John's grandfather dies. This is the one he's fished with every summer. This is probably the relative that he feels closer to than any other one. And the way he finds out about his grandfather's death is that a note is slipped to him in math class. And as he reads the notes, his eyes begin to fill with tears and before he realizes it, he just, he just breaks down and he begins to sob. Now his math teacher doesn't know what to do with these feelings, and so he excuses John to go to the office to grieve alone. After school, John's father picks him up to bring him home, and when John and his dad walk into the house, he notices his mom in the next room, weeping on the couch. And what John wants to do is he wants to go over to her. He wants to wrap his arms around her. He wants to cry with her. But dad says, no, no, John, let her be. Let her be. She just needs time. 
Jesus needs time to be alone. Later, after you get over this, you guys can sit down and, and talk about it. And so John heads up to his room. And he now has the third piece of society's approach to grief, and that is this, grieve alone. So John went to his room and he cried alone and he felt a deeper sense of loneliness than he ever had in his entire life. But eventually he buried these feelings and he replaced the sense of loss with a whole bunch of athletic activities as he tries to function normally. But John would find himself many months later constantly thinking about his grandfather, the summers that they spent together fishing, Christmas Eves, birthdays. This preoccupation went on for months until finally John approached his dad and explained what was going on inside of him. And his dad gave him this advice. Give it time, bud. Time heals. Somehow at some arbitrary time frame, it will get better all by itself. And now John has step number four in the conventional approach to handling loss, pain, and grief. Let time heal. You bury your feelings, replace your loss, grieve alone, and let time heal. So John gives it more time, but somehow that doesn't really help. He feels trapped in his sadness. And to make matters worse, he keeps thinking about all the great things that he and his grandfather did, but how often he let things go unsaid. Things like, hey, thanks, Gramps, or I really love you, Grandpa. And John says to himself, what can I do about this now? I guess I'll just have to live with these regrets the rest of my life. And this is how the fifth part of the approach, John's approach, the conventional approach to grief and loss takes place. We live with regret. Since there's nothing we can do about it, we'll just have to live with regret. John is going to just have to live with the regret of not telling his grandfather how much he meant to him. With all the trauma that John is now living with at the loss of someone very close to him, he begins to do some thinking about relationships. He begins to do a little bit of relational math in his head. His reasoning goes something like this. Close relationships expose me to the possibility of deep pain of losing someone important. Therefore, to make sure I don't experience that kind of anguish any longer, I'm going to keep people at arm's length. I'm not going to allow them to get that close because when people get close, it hurts. And now the, the cycle is complete and John learns step number six, never trust again. Let's review. After a loss, the conventional approach says this, bury your feelings, replace your loss, grieve alone, let time heal, Live with regret, never trust again. Now, I want you to think about the things that you currently are working through right now. I want you to think about the loss that I asked you at the early part of this message to think about. Think about it. Is this how you've been handling your loss? Have you been walking through some of these steps? You've been burying your feelings? You've replaced your loss with, I don't know, Binge-watching, or social media, or food. You're grieving alone. You've told yourself it's going to get better because time heals. 
Most of us respond this way. Don't feel badly about it. I was not taught how to process grief. You've probably not been told how to or taught or modeled how to process grief very well. Most of us, just like Johnny did, walk through a process like this. But I want you to ask yourself, is your sadness and loss being addressed by these steps? Is anything really getting resolved? Is grief recovery taking place? I'm going to tell you, God says no. Christian and secular counselors say no. Grief recovery is not taking place. These steps don't work. But God has a different plan for us to deal with our losses. It's a better kind of grief. Reverend Bill Hybels says this, if you grieve right, you can live afterwards. If you grieve wrongly, all bets are off. And again, Pastor Rick Warren says we don't go around grief. We don't get over grief. We go through grief. Most of us are unprepared for life's losses. We don't know what to do with the pain of death or divorce, severe illness or an accident, financial devastation, the loss of employment. When we hurt, most of us don't know what to do with the pain, so we often do several, if not all, of the six things that I spoke about. But now let's flip it a bit. Let's look at God's approach to dealing with loss and grief. It's what I'm calling a better kind of grief. Society says bury your feelings. God says feel your feelings. Don't stuff them down. Feel them. Feel them to the fullest extent. Feel them when they come up. Let your feelings out. 1 Thessalonians says don't grieve like those who have no hope, but it still says grieve. It's just we grieve the right way. We grieve as those who have hope. Feel your feelings at the loss of someone who has died. Feel your feelings at the loss of your graduation or your child's graduation. Feel the feelings of the loss of that vacation or that promotion or that loss of a marriage or a relationship. And don't talk yourself out of feeling. This is something that I felt really strongly in preparation for this message, that God is speaking to someone or many of you right now. What you're going to do is say, oh, but what I've lost is nothing in comparison to what this person has lost. I shouldn't be feeling so bad about this. I shouldn't be hurting so badly about the fact that I couldn't go to Florida this year or I wasn't able to uh, go to the mountains. No. Feel your loss. It's your grief. The other people... They'll feel their loss, and even if their loss is bigger, it's been a loss of a job or they've lost a loved one, it's still a loss. Don't talk yourself out of feeling your feelings. You need to, to be able to process your grief. Now, another thing I want to talk about here, about feeling your feelings, is there is a sense among some Christians, and I may be talking to some of you here today, there's a sense that if you're really a man or a woman of faith, then you won't feel sad when you have a loss. That because you know God will take care of it, God is a good God, God is your heavenly Father, and when you start feeling these feelings of sadness or this deep sense of grief, you feel that there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with your faith. In God's way of dealing with grief, in a better kind of grief, grief you need to feel your feelings. The Bible does not say that when we have loss and sadness and grief, we're not to feel those things. The Bible teaches that Christians should feel their sorrow. They should feel loss or grief. It's okay to have strong emotions. It's just how do we deal with them? 
The prophet Isaiah wrote this of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He said, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief. God, in, a, in, in, in human flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior, was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And if Jesus is our example as to how to live, and he grieved, then it is okay for us to grieve also. Jesus, at the death of his close friend Lazarus, John records these, these words. Jesus wept. He felt deeply. He grieved. Society says, bear your feelings. God says, feel your feelings. Society says, bear your feelings. Jesus felt his feelings. Society says, Replace your loss. But God says, review the loss. Review the loss. Hang out in the sad place long enough to allow the full effect of the loss to come over you. Hang out in the place where you feel the loss of your job, the loss of your promotion, the loss of your loved one, the loss of your marriage. I do not do this well. I do not hang around in a sad place long enough to really feel my loss. I don't like to hang out there. I want to get on with my life. I want to put the pain behind me. I want to replace the sadness and the other feelings quickly. See, I'm really good at steps one and two. That's what was modeled for me. That's what I was taught. But it didn't help me to deal with my losses and my grief. And there have been a lot of times in my life where I have allowed what Norm Wright says, emotional infection to get into my heart because I have not processed my loss well. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament it was customary for God's people to grieve losses for several months, even up to a year. God commended this practice. He didn't want them to just turn the page of their life and run from pain and loss. We need to review the loss. A Christian counselor who had many years of experience wrote this, said this, what she learned in her own practice. Of course, I tell them to feel their feelings. I also urge people to radically reduce the pace of their lives. I urge them to review their loss, to talk about it openly, to think about it thoroughly, to write about it reflectively, and to pray it through. It is my experience that people want to run from their pain. They want to replace pain with another feeling as soon as they can. But to recover from pain, you've got to face it. You've got to stand in it. You've got to process it before it will dissipate. That's God's way. The better kind of grief is to feel your feelings. Review your loss. Now, that's as much as we can really talk about this week because of time constraints. But in whatever loss that you're dealing with right now, whatever loss came to mind when I asked you to identify your loss, I ask you this. Have you allowed yourself to feel your feelings about your loss? If so, continue to feel them. Don't bury them. Don't compare them to what others are going through. Feel your loss. But if you have not, you need to allow yourself to begin to feel your loss. Allow the feelings to come up. 
And then have you reviewed your loss? Have you talked about it openly? Have you thought it through thoroughly? Have you written about it reflectively? Have you prayed it through? Without getting into details over the past 18 months, I have suffered some losses. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to run. I wanted to bury. I wanted to get on with my life. But because of my experiences personally and what I've watched other people do, I chose to walk through my loss and my grief properly. I forced myself to walk through this pain wisely. I felt the pain. I didn't try to immediately replace it. I talked about it openly with a life coach. I thought it through thoroughly. I thought it through a lot. I journaled about it, and I prayed it through. Some of this I'm still doing because the impact of loss and grief can stay with you for a long period of time. We'll talk more about that next week. Anytime there's a big loss, you cannot quickly and easily process it. If it's a big loss and you have quickly and easily processed it, I'm going to suggest that no, you've buried it. What I want is for each member of our CFA family who's experiencing losses right now or have experienced loss in the past and you're still not through it, what I want you to do is to learn how to grieve well. If you're not a part of the church family but you're watching this, I want you to learn how to grieve well. That's my desire. The fact that I'm able to be online and talk to you, even if you're not a part of the CFA church family, the Holy Spirit right now is helping you to understand What's necessary for you to process your loss and how to grieve well? A better kind of grief. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but as I've been preparing this message, this has been on my heart. There is somebody watching. I'm going to suspect that it's going to be more than one person, that there is a loss in your past. There is a deep wound, a deep hurt that you have not fully processed, that you have not grieved. What you have done is you had this hurt, you hurt for a little bit, but then you got on with life. You went forward and you replaced your loss quickly, but it's still lingering there. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, He cannot use you fully. He cannot build what He wants to do in your life and through your life on that foundation that still has not been dealt with. It's a foundation that is not strong. It's a foundation that has some emotional infection in it. And God wants you to revisit your loss. He wants to, you to revisit that which was done to you or that which you have done that caused loss and grief in your life. He wants you to go back and to walk through this process. You might say, I don't know what to do. Or you might say, I'm afraid of going back and processing or relieving, reliving this pain. Right now, remember this, God is not telling you to do this without Him going through it with you. He's walking with you. He is going to help you. He's going to give you wisdom. Ask for His help. For this week, just deal with parts or the first two steps. Feel your feelings and begin to review your loss. You may need to talk about it with someone who is trustworthy.
You need to feel it again. Journal it. Pray it through. Process this loss. And then next week, tune in as I go through the other steps and you can begin to walk farther through this. Regina Veninga, in the book A Gift of Hope, says, There is a good reason for entering into one's sorrow. Once you have experienced the seriousness of your loss, you will be able to experience the wonder of being alive. For someone today, you have not processed this very well because you have not experienced the fullness of your loss. What has happened is you've not been able to experience the wonder of being alive. There is a level of life that is there for you, but to get there, you have to walk through the process of grief. As Rick Warren says, you don't go over grief, you can't go around grief, you need to walk through grief. Reverend Bill Hybels said this, if you grieve right, you can live afterwards. If you grieve wrongly, all bets are off. People of God, let us learn how to grieve properly. Let us walk with a better kind of grief. It's hard work, but it is worth it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you have told us in your word that we can grieve, we should grieve, but we are not to grieve like the rest of mankind as those who have no hope. We grieve with hope because we don't grieve alone. We grieve with you. We grieve with the power of your Holy Spirit. We process our loss in a way that brings us healing and wholeness. God, for a person today who needs to begin to feel their feelings, help them. Help them to feel their feelings. Comfort them. Let them know that their feelings will not overwhelm them. Let them feel their feelings. And then help those who need to, to review their losses. That they may begin to walk through the process of grief, which will bring them to a place where they can experience the wonder of being alive. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.